Guys, when you're home, you can be truly yourself, right? You can truly be you when you're at home. When, when you're at home, there's no need to be dressed up. There's, there's no need to be kind of like someone who you are. And ladies, you get home, you wash up, off that makeup, you take off your eyelashes, your fingernails, your hair, right? Everything comes off, right? When, when you're home, you, you, you slip off, you know, whatever, if you were buttoned up or whatever, you know, to get to, to church or, or to work or whatever, you put on that favorite pajama shirt, which is really like an oversized sweatshirt with a bunch of holes in it and sweat marks, whatever and everything. And, and you love this shirt so much that, you know, this is your pajama shirt when you get home and you put that on. When you're home, there's no reason to be the professional version of you. You can be just you. Why is that? Why is that? I think it's because there's no walls. Now, I don't mean like literal walls. Hopefully where you live, there are walls. But I mean there are, are, are barriers that we sometimes feel at work, at school, or maybe even sometimes at church. And I think it's also because you're amongst family. When you're among family, you know, you can let your guards down, typically, when you're amongst family. And you already know each other, right? Warts and all. You know, every ward, every wrinkle, right? every gray hair. You guys know each other because you're family. What if the church was like that? What if the church was a place that you can kick your feet up? Now, I don't mean literally. Some of you guys are like, like, all right, Danny, this is the church I want to be a part of, and you have your feet up right now. That's not what I'm talking about, quite literally. I mean, what if the church was a place where you can be you? What if it's a place that you can be you? Where, you know, we can be supportive of one another and the spiritual journey that we are on. A place where we can help heal others and where we can experience healing ourselves. And I think in order for that to happen, there truly has to be a sense of family in order for that to happen. Last week, we kicked off a brand new series called No Place Like Home. And throughout this series, we are looking at a series of verses in Acts chapter 2. And really, it's all about the early church. And we're really learning from the early church what church family looks like. All right, We mentioned this last week that Jesus ascended into heaven after he died on the cross, paying for the penalty for everybody's sin. And they buried him in the grave. Three days later, he rose from the grave, conquering Satan's sin and death. And then he ascends back into heaven. And, and, and he leaves his disciples and, and about 120 people, he just leaves them and they watch him go back into heaven. He says, well, wait, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And so the Holy Spirit is poured on the lives of the early church. And as a result, we spoke about this last week, there was unity, there was relationship, there was fellowship, and there was worship. And there was a desire to get together in the early church. They wanted to be together with one another and to help one another draw closer to God and become more like Christ. Now today, we're going to look at how the church can be a place for you to kick your feet up. And to start us off, I want to draw your attention to something that I never noticed before. I've read this verse very many, many, many times. It's in Acts chapter 2, verse 44. And this time while I was studying for this message, something was brought to my attention that I never quite noticed before. Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it's on the screen and it's in your notes. It says this, Now all the believers were together and, read this last part out loud with me. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. If you want to underline that part right there in your nose, in your notes, or not in your nose, in your notes, and circle that right there. The early church shared a lot in common. They, they shared much in common. They literally shared their own supplies and resources to help people in need within their Christian community. In fact, if you read, if you read a couple chapters later, Acts chapter 4, you're going to read just that. That whenever there was someone in need, they literally helped each other you know, fulfill that need. But they also had shared experiences. They also had that in common. Think about it. They had the relational benefits of being in one another's lives. 
but also they shared the hatred from those who wanted to put an end to the spread of Christianity. They shared that as well. The early church shared the fact that they were being openly mocked and persecuted for their faith. They shared that in common. Uh, they had this faith in Christ that they were being openly mocked and ridiculed for. And in some cases, even their very lives were on the line. The religious leaders would grow hostile. And if you continue reading the book of Acts, you're going to read of very literal names of martyrs, people who paid the ultimate price for following Jesus, where they were ultimately executed for their faith in Christ. So they shared that in common too. And you know, as I look at this crowd, as I see everybody here, it's like a beautiful mosaic, right? There's a lot of things that we have different that we can celebrate. We have different upbringings. There's different nationalities, different professions here, different ages, different stages of life, right? It's, it's a beautiful to celebrate all the diversity that's here in this room. It's what makes us a beautifully diverse group. But there are also things that we have in common. And I believe that it is through those things that we have in common that we can truly connect with those things that we have in common. In fact, I think it's because we have those commonalities that we can truly be ourselves and family. Because we have these things in common, there's no need to feel like you have to be or pretend to be someone else. I'm going to try to help explain that for you guys this morning. Here's our big idea. If you like to take notes in your message notes, take your pens out and fill this in. Our big idea today is this. We may impress others with our strengths, but we connect with each other through our weakness. We may impress others with our strengths, but we connect with each other through our weakness. In other words, those things that we have in common. So I told you guys I read this verse this week and something was brought to my attention that I never quite noticed before. And I understand Acts chapter 2 verse 44, it says that they had all things in common. And what that's talking about is that they were literally sharing their things with one another. But then my mind began to jog. I began to think, you know, as I read this verse, I was like, you know, they, they shared their stuff with one another. But what other things did the early church have in common? What were other things that they shared in common? And so I came up with three things that the early church had in common that you and me share as well. And even as I said, we look out at this room, this beautiful mosaic of uh, different cultures, back, uh, backgrounds, upbringings, socioeconomic class, so on and so forth. While we have all those differences, we have these things in common. And because we have these things in common, is what can help create a church that truly feels like home and family. All right, so you guys ready? Here's number one in your notes. Number one is this. We have all sinned. We have all sinned. And here's something that the early church had in common. In Acts chapter 2, in the verses we just read, they had this in common. When it says that they had this in common, this was one of those things as well. That they had sinned. They were all sinners. The early church, they were all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. In fact, that's one of the prerequisites to follow Christ. Listen, if you're here and you say, there's nothing wrong with me and I have no sin, you don't need Jesus, right? You can take care of yourself. But in order to be a follower of Christ, it's one of the prerequisites it's to admit that you're a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. To make Jesus Lord and Savior means that you cannot save yourself and that you depend on His saving work for the forgiveness of sin. And guess what? That's all something that we share as well, not just the early church. You, me, everybody that's here from the front to the back, we all share that as well. We share this same truth. In fact, look at what Paul says in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says this. You have it on the notes. Let's read this verse out loud together. We, we say this verse a lot around here. Ready? Go. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In fact, if you have read the Bible at all, you've probably started in the book of Genesis. You've read the creation account, right? When, when God created everything. And the Bible says in the book of Genesis that everything that he created was what? Oh, yeah, it was good, right? He said it was good. Everything that God creates was good. God creates Adam and Eve, and they were good. And he places them in a perfect world, free from sin and free from shame. But unfortunately, Adam and Eve, they blatantly disobey God, and sin enters the world. And from that time until now, sin has dominated all of humanity. We are born sinful. Even the psalmist declared it in the, in the book of Psalms. He said, I'm, I was sinful from my mother's womb. What that means is that we inherit that sinful nature. We're born with this sinful nature. Now, how does that connect us? How does this bad news connect us? Well, we all share the same spiritual condition. Guys, we're all in the same boat, right? We're all sinful, and we all fall short before a holy, a righteous, and perfect God. By the way, it also means that we share in the same deserving punishment, which is eternal separation from that loving God. How does that connect us? Well, it means that no one is perfect. Not me, not you, not anyone in this room, not in any church, anywhere around the world, no one is perfect. We all have sins. We all have shortcomings. We all have failures. We are all sinful. So listen, if you came to church today thinking that you're the hot stuff, you're wrong. I'm sorry to bust your bubble. You're wrong. If you think you can self-righteously point out everyone else's flaws and everyone else's sin while thinking you're doing pretty good, you're wrong. We all share this in common. We're all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. But you see, that's a, that's a commonality that we all share. And But you see, it, it's something that we all share. And you don't have to look at the person next to you and say, man, I feel jealous because this person got it all figured out. You know, they read the Bible, so they're such great at reading the Bible and going to church and blah, 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 and whatever the case is. And you, you don't have to feel jealous for that person. And you don't have to stick your, your nose in the air as someone else because you think you've got it all figured out. Right? That levels the playing field. We all fall short. We have all sinned and sinned. But because we share this in common, we can be understanding. We can be forgiving. We can be restorative. At least that's what you do in family, isn't it? Isn't that what you do in family? And that's why as a church, because we're all the same, we all sin, we can also help one another be forgiving, be restorative. Here's the second thing, number two in your notes. We are all broken. We are all broken. You see, that sin that we all share makes us broken people. Sin brings brokenness. And listen, you, you don't need a master's or a PhD to see this in your world. You see this everywhere around you, this brokenness. You see it in the creation account as well. Think about in the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve, they experienced shame and guilt. When God made Adam and Eve and when he put them in a perfect world, they lived in a world without shame and without guilt. But then they experienced shame and guilt. How do we know that? But because they were walking around butt naked in the presence of God with no shame. But as soon as sin enters the world, what happens? They sow fig leaves together. What that means is that they experience shame. Oh no, now you can see me. Now you can see they sow fig leaves together. And they try to hide from God. In a place where they had this perfect unity with God, now they're trying to hide from Him because of that shame and guilt. How about their relationship? How about Adam and Eve's marriage? Huh? How about that? Imagine, imagine God performing your wedding. Wouldn't that be great? And they, they had the perfect marriage, the perfect honeymoon for life. 
And they experience brokenness. God goes to Adam. He says, Adam, what have you done? Why are you trying to hide from me? And Adam's like, God, this one, this one that you gave me, it's her fault. She's the one. She fed me the fruit, right? Do you think they had a rough night after that conversation with God? What do you think? Adam was, you know, Eve was like, mm, you sleeping on your own leaf, okay? You're not coming over here or whatever, right? There was brokenness in their relationship. There was brokenness even in things that were good. Like, like there's nothing wrong with work. God gave Adam work even before sin entered the world. Right? So there's, no, there's nothing wrong with work, but with sin now, we look at, at work and there's as stress and turmoil and strife and all of that because of sin. There was brokenness even in something as beautiful as childbirth. Right? God said that as a result of sin, woman's pain would increase in birthing children. The early church shared in this brokenness, and guess what? We do too. There's, there's brokenness in our relationship with God, where there was once peace and connection and unity in our relationship with God. Now there's brokenness. There's brokenness in our relationship with one another. Instead of having unconditional love towards one another and, and our neighbor, there's jealousy, there's envy, there's hatred, there's bitterness, resentment, lack of compassion, unforgiveness. Why? Because there's brokenness in our relationships. There's brokenness in our world. Guys, every time you turn on the news or you, you open up Facebook or whatever, all you see all around you is the brokenness in our world and our relation to the world. There's poverty. There's sickness. There's famine. Injustice. But even there's stress, anxiety, worry, strife. All of those things are the brokenness caused by sin. But you see, this is something that we all have in common. And since this is something that we have in common, it means that we're all broken. And since we're all broken, guess what? We are perfectly positioned for the great potter to put those pieces together. And in your brokenness, you are perfectly positioned for God to work in and through you. Look at what the psalmist said. Psalms chapter 51. <coughs> Excuse me. Psalm 51 verse 17. Let's read this verse out loud together. Ready? Go. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart, God. And the psalmist wrote this during a very broken time in his life. And what does he say? Well, the sacrifice pleasing to God is what? Is a broken spirit. You see, it's only in our condition of brokenness that God can work in us. Right? Compare this to the Old Testament character Pharaoh. If you guys ever read, uh, you know, about the, uh, the Ten Commandments, Moses, right? Pharaoh had God's people, the Israelites, in captivity, in slavery for hundreds of years. And when God sends Moses to come and free his people out of captivity, Pharaoh says no. And over and over again, you read throughout this account, you read that the Pharaoh hardened his heart. His heart was hard. He didn't have a humble heart. He didn't have a broken heart. His heart was hard. And that's why he continued to say no, no, no. And he wouldn't release God's people. It was a prideful and hard heart. And the reason why he would not free God's people. But do you guys see your brokenness? Do you see why you need to be broken? Because if you don't, that may be the reason why God feels distant from you. Because it's only from a place of brokenness that God can actually begin to do a real healing work in your heart. We all share in brokenness. And because we are all broken, we can collectively encourage each other towards the only one who can put all those broken pieces together. Christ is the great mender. He's like the glue that puts those broken pieces together and presents us whole to God. And so something we all have in common is that we're broken. 
But God in his great love given us Jesus, the great glue that makes this beautiful mosaic out of us and, and, and heals us and brings those broken pieces together and presents us whole to God. Here's the third and last thing that uh, we see from this verse that they all have in common. Number three is this. We are all on a journey. We are all on a journey. Here's another thing that the early church had in, in common. They were all on a spiritual journey becoming more like Christ. They weren't perfect, right? We already established that. Right? They were sinners in need of grace. They received that grace from Jesus and were now living their lives in such a way, you know, worthy of that grace that they received. And if you continue going through the book of Acts, just continue reading it at your leisure whenever you have time. Uh, read, you're going to see the early church did not have their act together, right? They did not. Uh, they were still making mistakes and they were still making screw-ups. And this included things like showing favoritism and perhaps even racism to the widows. To, when it came to the distribution of supplies to widows and to people of need, there was favoritism and maybe even racism involved. And we also read later in the book of Acts that there was beef between two prominent leaders in the early church, so much so that they went their own separate ways. In other words, they, the early church, they were saved by a perfect God who was doing a perfecting work in them, but they weren't perfect. They were on a journey. And the same is true for us. Isn't that true? Isn't that true for every single person that's here? For me, all the way to the back, everybody that's here in this room. That this is something that we all have in common, that we're all on a journey. And we're all on different parts of that journey, guys. Some of you are brand new to your faith. You know, perhaps you recently put your faith in Christ or you just found out what it truly means. And you're beginning to live out that faith and passionately pursue Christ. Others of you, you have years of following Jesus under your belt. Right? You have Christian t-shirts, you go to Christian concerts, you read Christian books, you drink out of a Christian mug, you know, with, with Philippians 4.13 on the side, and your undies has your, you know, favorite Bible verse, you know, with Sharpie on it, you know, you're a super Christian, you've been serving the Lord for a long time, you know, you get the point, but perhaps you've been serving the Lord a little longer, and maybe you are a couple steps ahead, you know, on this spiritual journey. Yet there's others of you that you're perhaps, you're at the very beginning of the spiritual journey. You don't know what to believe. And maybe you're kicking the tires of Christianity. Or maybe someone forced you to be here and brought you kicking and screaming. Right? Maybe you have a lot of questions and you have a lot of doubts. And let me just tell you, that's okay. It's okay. I'm so glad you're here because this is a great start. Because we're all on a journey. Look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I would love for you guys to read this verse nice and loud. It's Philippians 1, 6. It's there on your notes. Ready? Read it. Go. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. You see, guys, we're all on a journey that God has started in us. And that He will carry it to completion. He is the one that's doing the good work in your life and in mine. And if that's the case, that means we don't have to compare ourselves to one another. You, we don't have to be jealous of someone else's spiritual progress. In fact, here's what we can do. That, this is what family does. We can celebrate one another's progress. When someone progresses in their faith journey and their journey with Christ, we can celebrate that. There's no need to be jealous or spiteful or resentful for someone else's progress in their faith. Why? Because we're all on a journey. Imagine if that's the way we got within our family. Can you imagine this? You wouldn't call that a model family, right? If that was happening within a family. You would call it a dysfunctional family and you'd probably turn it into a sitcom, right? You, you wouldn't say, I want to be like this family, right? When someone has a birthday, what do you do? You get balloons, you cut a cake, 
You smack a pinata, right? That's what you do on a birthday. When someone graduates, graduates, what do you do? You get dressed up even if you don't like to. You go to the graduation. When they call their name to receive their diploma, you shout and you clap your hands. You celebrate that great achievement. That's what a family does. And as you do with your family, you can also do with your church family because we're all on a journey. We can celebrate the wins. When, when someone comes to faith, we celebrate with them. When someone gets baptized, we can shout and applaud and worship and thank God for the work that He's doing in their life. You know, the fact that we're all on a journey means that we can offer encouragement in failure or during seasons of difficulty or during hardships. Because we're all on a journey, because we're all a part of the same family adopted by God through Jesus to be sons and daughters of the Most High God, it means that we can be there for each other during those rough seasons. The last thing you need, to, the last thing you need done when you're down is to be kicked, right? That's the last thing you need. But there's something powerful that happens when people that are on the same journey with you link arms and helps pull each other out of the dark seasons and into seasons of hope. Does the church feel like that for you? Is it a place where you can kick your feet up? In other words, it's a place where you can be who you are, you can come as you are, but you can grow into all that God wants you to be. It's my prayer that Swerve would be like that. After all, we have too much in common, guys. We have, we have all this in common. We're all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. We're all broken and shattered but molded and mended by the great healer and restorer. And we're all on a journey to be conformed into the image of Christ, sacrificing the sinful desires of this flesh every day in order to become like Christ each day more and more. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus... Now, maybe you don't know what you are, but you know that you're not, you haven't put your faith in Christ. I want to thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome here. And I pray that Swerve will be a place you can kick your feet up. But I'd like to share with you that you also have these qualities in common. You also share this with everyone here. That you are also a sinner. And that sin that we all share eternally separates us from God. And what that sin deserves is punishment in God's wrath. But here's something else that we all have in common. That is that God is madly in love with you. And he desires to restore that relationship with, with him as it once was. And so what did he do? He made a way. Creator enters his creation in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus humbles himself to be like one of us and to face the same hurts, to face the same temptations, to face the same fears that you and I face. But he remained without sin, making him the perfect person to atone for our sin. He was innocently led to the most horrific of capital punishments of his day where he bled and he died. And it's his blood in our place that paid the price for our sin. We are covered by His blood so that when God looks at us, He doesn't see our brokenness. He sees Christ's wholeness. But Jesus did not remain dead. Three days later, He rose from the grave conquering Satan, sin, and death. And now whoever desires to put their faith in Christ, they no longer have to atone for their sin themselves. Instead, Christ's righteousness is given to them. And all you have to do is confess and believe. Lord, I'm a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. 
Would you save me? I put my trust in you. And that's you. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, then I want to encourage you to do so. I'm not going to tell you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you and call you to the front. You know, I swear what we do is on the back of your connection cards, if everybody would take that out real quick, take out your connection card and fill out as much information as you can on the front. On the back, there's some next steps for all of us to take. And if you're here today and you feel like God is tugging at your heart and he's calling you home, and your decision to follow Christ, that's your decision between you and God. But check that off on the connection card, and in a moment, you'll have an opportunity to turn those in. And then here's what's going to happen. As your church family, we want to celebrate with you. We want to encourage you. We want to put a Bible in your hand if you need one. We want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So if that's you, make that decision today. Would you guys join me in prayer? Lord, we acknowledge that we are all sinners. We recognize that everywhere we look, we experience brokenness. We don't have to look very far to see that at all. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus and for his good and perfect work on the cross to pay for our sin and to restore what was broken by sin. Lord, we're all on a journey here. I pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to do a good work in us. And to continue to make us holy day by day. God, I pray that Swerve would be a place, a home, where people can kick their feet up. Lord, where we can drop the mask, drop the pose, be ourselves. And that within the context of family, we can hold each other accountable, encourage each other to become more like Christ each day. God, would you allow that to be here? Will we experience that here in family? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.